You know, having sensitive skin makes finding skincare products so difficult. It is. But today's sponsor, OneSkin, makes it easy. Their topical supplements are formulated with soothing ingredients and natural antioxidants. And they're gentle enough to use every day, even if you have sensitive skin. And it was founded by an all-female team of scientists. OneSkin's products are backed by extensive lab and clinical data to validate their efficacy and safety on all skin types. Their topical supplements are the easiest way to keep your skin healthy and hydrated without all the harsh ingredients or irritation found in other skincare products. In a third-party 12-week clinical study performed by third-party research organization OS01 Face was clinically proven to strengthen the skin barrier, improve skin health markers, and diminish visible signs of aging. Like wrinkles were diminished in 87% of users. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspects of aging one skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer get started today with 15 percent off using code tco at oneskin.co that's 15 percent off oneskin.co with code tco after your purchase they'll ask you where you heard about them please support the show and tell them we sent you it's more than just your output more than a bike Welcome to the Clip Out, episode 329. This is Crystal O'Keefe. And this is Tom O'Keefe. If we sound a little different, it's because we are coming to you from a cruise ship. We are currently docked outside St. Philipsburg in St. Martin. This is our second St. Martin episode of the year. Yeah, by accident. <laughs> yeah. Was, we had no idea when we uh, booked this cruise for the two of us. So much has changed because it was yeah. 18 months ago yeah. that we booked this trip. And um, one, we thought that my daughter would be staying with her dad. That changed. Uh, two, we had no idea we would be doing a, that that this trip would be stopping in St. Martin. Right. And uh, then we went to St. Martin and that was awesome. Yeah. And then. Because we didn't even check the locations of no. where this, the cruise was going. We were like, oh, we're just going to do a Disney cruise. Who cares? Yeah. And, we're, we're the type that when we uh, get here and everybody else gets off the boat, we go to the pool. Yeah. Because we're like, now nobody's at the pool and we get it all to ourselves. And that's exactly what happened today. Yeah, it was nice. It was. So, um, uh, so anyway, if, you, if you're watching this on YouTube, our apologies, you have no video. Sorry. Because uh, because we can't, or the Wi-Fi, we capture the video through Zoom, and the Wi-Fi here is um, dog Not shit. Not great. So, there's no way to run Zoom here. Yeah. So, uh, no video this week. Yeah. And and no uh, bonus for Patreon people this week. But that'll all be back next week. Like normal, we appreciate your patience. So. <laughs> Speaking of things we are not including, no Angelo this week. Yes. <laughs> and that's just because I kind of forgot. <laughs> Consider it 
a drunken haze. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, I have been kind of just out of it, just trying to relax. And I totally forgot. <laughs> I relaxed a little too well. <laughs> That's okay. So you got a nice thing in the mail this week. Uh, I did. Yeah, it was um, from Robin Arzon's publishing company. And it was a box set of her new journal called Welcome Hustler. Uh, well, this, hang on. This is unfair. I mean, when I... When I get hustlers in the mail, you get very upset. <laughs> that is a very different kind I of hustler. I don't complain about your hustlers at all. Well, I actually technically didn't get a hustler in the mail. I got a welcome kit for being a hustler. So do the math on that one. <laughs> well, now. <laughs> There's something I need to know. <laughs> do you have an OnlyFans now? Is that what's going on? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but it was it was a whole thing that you it got. It was, yeah, it was really neat. So it was the journal itself, and then uh, there was a really nice like magnet, and then there was a pen to write in, and it had like a highlighter on one end, pen on the other. There was a a hundred dollar gift certificate toward the clothing brand that she represents. I th- believe it's called. GTSQ. And then there was also a free year of masterclass. Uh, and then there was a bag for. Uh, and that's not because that would get you access to everything, wouldn't it? Exactly. Because there's all sorts of. Steve Martin's got a thing I on there. I know. Yeah. I know. And uh, and then there was also a Swagger Society like tote bag. Right. And I believe that was the full extent of everything. The journal itself, I, I was really surprised at. It had not, I really expected that it was going to be like things to kind of like get you thinking about your workouts and motivation and things like that. Right. But it actually was a complete life journal. So there was things about financials. There were things about like, what do you want to do for a living? Like there it was, was more, it was more like just a little bit. I looked at it more like life coach stuff. That's than, what I said. Yeah. Then work. Well, you said life stuff. Like, oh, yeah. okay. Yes. That's yeah. what I meant. Mike, your whole life all over. Right. As a overview. Right. But we're, we are both on the same page yeah. about that for sure. Yeah. And uh, so I was really surprised at the depth of topics that it covered yeah. um, and went into. So I know a lot of people are like really frustrated at Robin these days. <laughs> I don't know. I feel kind of mixed about it. Like on the one hand, I feel like people are really targeting her specifically, but she's, she's kind of had this like I don't know how else to label it, an empire the longest. Right. She's had a brand mm-hmm. the longest out of all the instructors. For sure. And I feel like she knows how to monetize it in a way that some of the other instructors have been slower to embrace. Right. Whether they're just not comfortable with it, they don't like it. There could be a million reasons why. And she also seems to embrace new technology with her love of Web3 and yes. all that stuff. And, and like... The jury's still out on if that's a real thing. A lot of people are skeptical, and I think that skepticism a lot of times is justified. But it also – there's been a lot of things technology-wise that people were skeptical about. Watch clips of the Today Show talking about the World Wide Web's (laughs) – and from like 1996. That's fair. And trying to explain what email is. Really? Yeah. I've I never mean, watched that, oh but that, that, that's hilarious. It's brutal. Like it's, it just, it's so silly by today's standards. I'm sure. So, so and, and I'm not saying that 
that therefore the same is true of Web3. But I'm also saying that I don't know enough to know that it's not like it's I, I would have to weird. agree. I, I'm not really comfortable with it, um, especially the NFT side of things. But at the same time, like I kind of feel like she gets kind of a bad rap yeah. that I don't really understand why the other instructors get a pass on. Yeah. Like, I mean, Kendall's out there literally everywhere, like literally everywhere. <laughs> no one says a word. Yeah. You know, Alex is out there selling tickets that are a lot more expensive to take pictures with. Nobody says a yeah. word. And I feel like it's just, it just seems to me that people have their favorites and they get a pass in a way that other people who aren't their favorites don't get a pass. Yeah. And I don't really care who does or doesn't. I just wish that people would be fair about it. Yeah. <laughs> like equitable. For sure. <laughs> but either way, I really enjoyed the box. It was really neat. And yeah. um, I never would have probably tried out that GTSQ brand right. or GSTQ, whichever it is. And I definitely will be trying it out now. <laughs> uh, and I will I will definitely use the master class. We probably both will, yeah. knowing us. So For sure. Absolutely. Those are things we're going we're gonna to get use out of. And I really appreciate the thoughtfulness behind that. And Absolutely. And sending it. So we should also say, just a reminder, that we have uh, the book club getting ready to start up if people want to take part. Absolutely. And I believe that is the second Tuesday of October that we are going to have our first meeting. And I think it's 1010 that it falls on, but I don't have a calendar in front of me, so forgive me. Um, <laughs> it will be 7 p.m. Central. And David Miller is going to be joining us. So if you are wanting to tag along, read the next three chapters and uh, join us on the 10th and even if you don't read the three chapters join us yeah it's not like you'll get grounded or detention (laughs) or something no it's no grade there's no grade and there's no test either (laughs) it's all for fun but uh if you would like to sign up for that you go to patreon dot com slash the clip out and then you just click join the community it is part of the free benefit you get for being um part of the patreon right and so it does not cost it to take part in the book club. No, but everybody keeps saying like, so what do I do when I go to patreon.com slash the clip out? So I'm just trying to explain right. you just all you have to do is click join the community. If you would like to have access to our bonus episodes or get content that comes out a little bit earlier than, than the regular content, that is where you want to click one of the tiers to join that right. costs money. And you can also get your ad free episodes by, by joining one of those tiers, but the free tier, you have access to everything, um, everything within the book club that we're doing. Absolutely. So what, pray tell, do you have in store for people this week? We are going to talk about so much Peloton news. The, the, um, (laughs) this, this became an issue for us this week, the preloading of classes. We're going to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about the new Michigan bikes, the new patent lawsuit that just hit the new SVP of apparel. We have tons of news about the instructors, little celebrity hit past no, we do not have a past guest update. Uh, and of course, we're going to have our TCO top five and a birthdays. Awesome. Well, before we get to all that shameless plugs, don't forget we're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeart, TuneIn, wherever you find a podcast, you could find us while you're there. Be sure and follow us so you never miss an episode. Maybe uh, leave us a review. Always super helpful and greatly appreciated. You can uh, find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the clipout. While you're there, like the page, join the group. I won't go through Patreon again because we just talked about it during the book club, but it's out there. Patreon.com slash the clip out. And you can watch 99.9% of these (laughs) on YouTube. Not this one. 
but the Picture ones... Picture me waving at you. <laughs> but the ones before and after, uh, you can watch those at youtube.com slash the clipout. And of course, you can sign up for our newsletter over at our recently redesigned theclipout.com. So there's all that. Let's, uh, let's dig in, shall we? Let's do it. Breaking news. Holy cannoli. So this is big stuff. This is real big stuff. Yeah. So Lululemon and Peloton just announced that it was the beginning of a movement. Now, it immediately struck my my attention. It was not on the apparel channel. And I said to you, you I don't did. understand. Yeah, because people were like, oh, there must be an apparel thing. And you're like, but this is on one Peloton, not on Peloton apparel. Yeah. On the gram. But then when I went to go read it, it said, OK, the first drop is happening October 11th. OK, I must have been wrong. Then I saw this on businesswire.com. It says Lululemon and Peloton announce a five year strategic global partnership. Uh, multidimensional agreement brings together the best in fitness content and athletic apparel to inspire a combined community of more than 20 million members and guests. How you ask? Well, let me tell you, Lululemon becomes Peloton's primary apparel partner. What? So do you think primary means that they can still do things with other brands? I do. You'll still see the occasional. Because it doesn't say exclusive. Right. It, and but, we know they're about to drop the thing with Brittany Allen. Right. Like it's happening. It's going to happen before people even hear this probably. So it makes me think though that most of the rank and file stuff that you go in, the stuff that's always in stock will be Lululemon stuff moving forward. It's kind of how I hear I that. I think so too, but I also think it's possible that Peloton is still going to be making their own. Right. Maybe, maybe. Sure. I don't know. Uh, you know, just a little reminder. It was not that long ago that, that these they two were, were suing the living shit out of each yeah, other. Yeah, now they both settled. Right. So who knows how long this has been in the works. Right. But there's. Oh, go ahead. I want to know. Okay. I would love to know. Yeah. Who makes that phone call? Who makes the first phone call after they've been suing and, and Lululemon's like, you're stealing our stuff and they're suing each other and you're a dirty piece I'll of shit. makes that phone call? The smart one. Yeah. But I'm just like, who's you know, the one that says- Can you imagine being a that ballsy of a business partner where you're just like, you know, I know that we've like sued yeah. each other. I know it didn't go well, but like, how about we just go ahead and work together? Yeah. How about we buck the system? So now that the we're done suing each other, what do you think about- like, should we just work together? Yeah. Well, let's do that. <laughs> well, I mean, what a what a thing to announce the day after a new VP of a senior VP of apparel hits. Yeah. Like literally the next day. Yeah. And then there's more. There's more. But wait, there's more. Peloton becomes exclusive digital fitness content provider for Lululemon. And we'll develop all content for Lululemon Studio beginning early 2024. This is, what? Does this mean we have to make stop making fun of the mirror? I think so. Oh, man. But I like make fun of it. I guess we'll just have to go back to making fun of Echelon exclusively. Yeah. Echelon will be, be our primary. Will be our primary mocking I, partner. I love that. Yeah. I love that. We'll still yeah. occasionally make fun of the mirror. I wonder yeah. if the, because it sounds like the mirror is basically becoming a guide. Like, I wonder if they'll call it the guide plus. <laughs> well, that's, that's interesting because um, there wouldn't be, there wouldn't be like 
you couldn't do things with weights and stuff like you can with the guide or can you plug it in? I mean, I've got questions. I've got questions. So one of the things that this says here is that they're going to give communities one of a kind experiences and special content that will help them achieve their goals. Beginning October 11th, co-branded apparel across Lululemon's product lines will be available for purchase at Peloton retail stores and at at the boutique online. That's going to be in the US, the UK and Canada. Oh, thank God. And then it'll be in all five (laughs) global markets by March of 2024. So that'll hit Australia and Germany by 2024. The co-branded apparel will be launched over the course of three new events that will be added to Peloton's Peloton on tour, starting with an activation in Chicago. Mm. (laughs) You think that'll be part of on tour or you think it'll be something totally different? It says it will be added to the already scheduled Peloton on tour. So if you were listening. Sorry. That's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just talking to myself here. Don't worry. Sometimes I know. Uh, Now on November 1st, 2023, Lululemon studio, all access members will have access to thousands of Peloton classes for the same price they pay today. What? So like I said, the mirror is basically a, big giant guide it says that peloton content will it will be updated on a weekly basis on the studio device and the companion app with the new studio content produced by lululemon through spring of next year in addition peloton content will be available to people who sign up for the free essential membership program which currently has more than 13 million members lululemon continues intends to discontinue selling the studio mirror but will continue to provide ongoing service and support Lululemon will also discontinue its at its digital app only membership on November 1st and current Lululemon studio app only members will be offered an opportunity to become a Peloton app one. Wow. Wow. So if Peloton is creating exclusive digital content for Lululemon, but they're going to cease making the mirror, then what long term are they making for them um they're giving new content for the for studio. existing mirror right oh, okay but those will obviously oh well all it does dissipate is over time it gives peloton 13 million more members right when their goal is to get to 100 million members yes. it just they just they, they just, just scooped boom, up 13 million because if you already had lululemon you're like well I, I my mirror still works but now i got peloton people go. and i'm baked into the peloton world there you go and all of a sudden it's like well maybe i do want a bike and yeah yep Oh, this is pretty pretty uh, pretty good move. It is. It's huge, especially as much as Lululemon has been wanting to ditch the mirror for so long. Can I just say though, I'm just I'm just a little sad it wasn't tonal. Yeah. <laughs> Although as badly as things have been going for studio, maybe it's for the best because yeah. that would mean that tonal would have to be in a really, 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 yeah. really bad place for this to be happening. Yeah, because it sounds like they're just like they couldn't sell it, so they're just like screw it mm-hmm. and. And they're just walking. They're just writing it off. Yeah. And this is their way of still like not just leaving. So here's the the really good thing from a Lululemon standpoint in terms of like respectability for Lululemon. They didn't just shut down Mirror and leave all those people in the lurch. Right. Yeah, right. Like it's right. like oh you still have a thing. Your thing is still going to work. Right. Only now it'll have Peloton content. Your membership still exists, but it'll be a Peloton membership. Okay, remind me. Maybe I'm crazy, but didn't the same thing happen when the one of the like flywheel went under? 
didn't Peloton step in then too? Didn't trying, you? Get, there was something like that where yeah. like they ended up like in the lawsuit. They ended up with the was it the flywheel at home or whatever? Yeah, I think so. There was something right? like that. And then you still could become a Peloton member. I mean, yeah. it wasn't just an automatic transfer, right. but you had the option. Yeah. But these people will have more options because they can become a different tier. They don't have to take on the full thing if they don't want right. to. So, and and it's nice that Peloton will continue to make new content and it's very smart because then the people who already have a studio membership like you said they're going to be like oh this is really good content right what am i missing over here probably better than what they'd been getting i was trying to be nice but yeah. uh yeah i was trying to be nice by saying probably oh okay that was me being nice oh <laughs> well we've just confirmed what everyone already knows which is you're nicer than i am <laughs> <laughs> But uh, this is a really good move for Peloton. I think it's uh, it's a little bit of a of a shit burger for Lululemon, but I think they did the best they could given that the mirror was kind of a whole lot of nothing. It was. I mean, a it was always TV hung sideways that you did aerobics with. You like, said it since day one, and I, it never made any sense to me. And so now, at least, it's got Peloton content on it. Yeah. And you pull those members in, and maybe you upsell them on another piece of equipment, or you pull them into your ecosystem, and that's for the best. So yeah. I think this is smart. Smart, and and oh, we ju- they just scooped up all those new members for sure. Yeah. So, uh, well, we need to we need to hear from. People who have a studio, that's what we need to. So if anybody out there is listening and you have Lululemon Studio, how's it look over there? What's happening? Obviously, you don't know yet. But when it happens, we want to hear all the details. So reach out. Reach out. Absolutely. So anyway, there's your breaking news. We will now return you to your regularly scheduled clip out program. And we will resume drinking. (laughs) Already in progress. Peloton in the news. Well, we sussed out this week that preloading classes comes with data storage limits. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. There, not a, there is nothing that you can download or use data for that does not have a limit. Sure. Makes sense. But uh, somebody posted over in the Clipout group that they were unable to get to their classes because they had so many of them, which got me to thinking, how much How much am I actually using? Right. Because we're getting ready to go on this cruise. I had down, pre-downloaded some classes that I wanted to be able to take. Uh, Now, I will tell you that they don't appear to take up a tremendous amount of room uh, to to give people perspective. I hadn't even used a gig and I had I had downloaded Susie Chan's new 90 minute class uh, that was outdoors and I had downloaded several other runs. I think it was a total of seven. And then I also had like a pre run stretch and and a after run stretch. And I hadn't even used a gig. Now, the woman who posted this she was using 50 gigs. <laughs> so my my greater point to that is you want to make sure that if you are preloading classes that you go in and delete them. There's no like after you take a class, it doesn't just disappear. And I right. think some people think it does. Yeah, I get I get why someone would think that. I mean, I also get that there are probably people that want to retake things that it would drive them crazy if it got deleted every time they used it. Well, that's a very fair point. Now, people also might be asking, what the heck is a preloading of class? So Peloton, a few years ago, came out with this really nice feature, used to be exclusively on Apple, not that I was an Android user and had great (laughs) 
upsetness over this. But you have since turned. I have. The worm has turned in the apple. So, <laughs> I don't know. I figured there was some kind of joke there. I tried. It didn't work. Um, but, uh, so you... What you do is you're able to click the download on any class and it loads it to the device you're using. And then when you want to play it, if you're in a spot that doesn't have great service, you're still able to play the class. With the only exception being you need enough Wi-Fi to start the class. So it knows you actually have a... You can't download a bunch of stuff and cancel your membership. Correct. (laughs) That is exactly what they're trying to avoid. It's super nice if you're in an area like, let's say you're doing an outdoor class and there's no signal. I don't know, like if you're in the middle of the ocean. Right. um, And uh, then you want to be able to take that class. But if you have enough enough Wi-Fi to just connect just so they know you're legit now the rest of it you can play and you don't have to worry about skips and stops and slowdowns it's just all there so once they know you're legit you will be too legit to To quit quit. (laughs) oh boy oh boy yeah (laughs) so uh uh, we talked a while back about peloton's uh, university of michigan bikes we did and originally they were kind of a a branded thing that was going to be available on campus, but not a thing that you could actually get. Well, that is no longer the case. That is no longer the case indeed. So Peloton did post this week that you are going to be able to buy your very own University of Michigan branded bike plus, and you will be able to do it by the end of September. How much is it going to cost? We have no idea. They haven't posted that yet, but the second they do, we will tell you all about it. So if you're thinking to yourself, well, I don't go to University of Michigan, this doesn't affect, well, I don't care, mm-hmm. but you've got to think that this is a precursor of things to come, things to come, like whether it's other It's only a matter colleges, of time until that pink bike's going to show up. That's all I know. A pink bike, maybe tie into a movie, or you can get an Aerosmith bike. Or, oh my God. Uh, if know, they did a Lizzo bike, I would die. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I bet you, you're going to start seeing lots of things like that. Or a Taylor Swift bike. Yeah. Beatles bike. I'm going to need a whole room. This is going to be like, I, I need a collector's edition, like garage to put them all in. Do you though? Mm-hmm. I don't know that you do. I don't think I do. Uh, I don't think you do. I'm pretty sure. No. So, uh, but it'll be interesting to see all the things that uh, this that this brings forth for people. That is so true. So another week, another lawsuit. Peloton was hit with a a patent lawsuit. Yeah. That we we think might be more of a patent troll. Yes. Allegedly. Now, we need to say allegedly because they like to sue people. That's true. Also, <laughs> when we say a patent troll, we're not trying to defame them. That's literally what people who do the actions they are taking are called. Yeah. In the vernacular. Right. Uh, apparently, the way that this works. Now, I have to say this is by uh, one of our amazing helper bees, Lindsay. She she put this together because, well, she understands legal things being a, a you know an attorney so she put together this this explanation and basically there's this company called fleet connect solutions they sued peloton for patent infringement in federal co- court now apparently that's where all patent lawsuits are court so or that's where they're all brought right so that's normal yeah because patents are federal right because you, if you had one for a state that wouldn't do you much good But check this out. Fleet Connect has filed 25 lawsuits against companies since late 2020. 
and four of those were within the last week. (laughs) Their suits are almost all filed in Texas federal courts, and they named the defendants. The name defendants include not just Peloton, but other companies that are well known, like Bridgestone, Pinsky, and Two Men with a Truck. So, what kind of patent does Two Men with a Truck? They're just moving stuff, right? Like I, I mean, I guess there's something. I just, it just is a head scratcher. I would agree. So the other thing is, Fleet Connect Solutions has only existed officially since April 2020. So they spent the COVID, as as Lindsay said, the quarantine a bit differently than the rest (laughs) of us. (laughs) They went through and acquired nearly fifty patent assets from another company called Intellectual Ventures in December of 2020. Only seven months later, it started filing its first lawsuits for patent infringements. Uh, Now, it also needs to be noted that Intellectual Ventures, which again was the predecessor of the new one, uh, they have filed hundreds of patent lawsuits in the last 10 years. So what exactly is a patent troll? Uh, It's a company... Uh, In this case, once you own a patent, you can now sue other companies for infringement. So Fleet Connect does not invent things. They buy existing patents and then they look for possibilities of other companies to sue. And a lot of times they buy very minor, obscure patents oftentimes and and then, yeah, look for people that have somehow accidentally crossed over even tangentially or even – maybe borderline hypothetically, hoping for quick settlements. Yes, that's exactly what it is. Basically, they're trying to get Peloton to settle. Why? Because Peloton is a freaking target. Yeah. Like everybody is suing Peloton and they know that this year in particular, Peloton has been settling left and right. right. They have been knocking out these lawsuits. They are ripe to be taken advantage of. So what's going to happen? We don't know. This is brand new. We don't know if Peloton is going to do a settlement, which would end it quickly. And a lot of these companies do if they're going to fight it or if it'll get dismissed. By the way, a lot of these uh, settlement, these these uh, companies that Fleet Connect has gone after, a lot of them have been dismissed. Several of them are still fighting. Yeah. Um, So the the way this kind of this is a theory works is you cast the net wide and hope you can find a judge that goes, well, I guess kinda. (laughs) Well, and it's, it's also frustrating because um, now I realize this is federal court, but like people talk all the time about money spent and ways to save money. And this is a ridiculous use of everyone's money and time. Yeah. And they're just doing it to try to get money. It's so gross. Like, it's so... I mean, if somebody's patent is truly infringed upon... That is not gross. That is not what I am talking about. But the fact that this seems to have become a cottage industry is very frustrating. That's what's gross. And, you know, like, there was a thing in podcasting a while back that somebody was like, oh, I invented the podcast, so I just... No one can put out a podcast without paying me. And so and they started going after some big names. And I believe Adam Carolla and I think Joe Rogan, but I know Adam Carolla was one of them, was like, no, we're going to fight you. And they spent a lot of money fighting them because they were like they knew that they would go after people who could not fight them. Because that was the thing. If they could get somebody like Adam Carolla or Joe Rogan, a really big one to roll over and pay just even a little bit of money, there's an almost infinite number of podcasts that they could now go after and so you know 
while I might not always be on the same side with those two, it was very admirable that they that they fought that battle. That is for sure. So Peloton has named an SVP of apparel and accessories. Yes, uh, Cedric Fletcher is the new senior VP of Peloton Apparel. Uh, it be very interesting to see what happens next. Now, he is apparently he's quite the good fit for mm-hmm. Peloton because he I was... I see what he did there. Because <laughs> it's apparel. Outfit. And it's, it's a it's good a fit. fit. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well... He was most recently a chief product officer at True Classic, but he also held previous leaderships at Under Armour, Nike's Jordan brand, and Calvin Klein. Makes a lot of sense because Peloton, especially since they're trying to do, you know, this new marketing piece where they're like, you can be anywhere, do anything. Right. It only makes sense that they want to do more with their apparel with that as well. It almost makes me think that they're trying to grow it as a fashion brand and it as more of a fashion brand than a souvenir, right? Like right now it's like, I like Peloton. I want something that says Peloton on it. It makes me, you know, it sounds like they're trying well, to get more like, oh, I wear true, Nike things. If, I wear Peloton things. If that's true, I think we can we can expect it to go back to limited amounts of things. You think? Yes. Well, I mean, because like, like Nike and Under Armour don't have limited amounts of things. Sure they do. Not everything. But like when a Jordan verse comes out, how quickly does that sell? Okay, an Air Jordan, sure. But but if you want a pair of Nike shoes, most of them are yes, widely available. Yes, absolutely. I just think it could lead to right. the most sought after things, the most wild, yeah. flashy things going back to that and those days of... Maybe you'll see tears, right? Maybe, yeah. Maybe the, you'll see like instructor-led things and those will be like their Air Jordans. and you'll But then you'll see kind of more standard Peloton branded things that aren't but if they do go down that road then you have to start wondering what happens a lot of these instructors have adidas deals and nike deals and you know so so true it's always a, a tough road for them to walk in that regard so there was an interesting article this week on a website called the hustle.co not the aforementioned hustler (laughs) no no but he is also hustling there was probably an article there as well i'm sure yes i'm sure but this sounds interesting i haven't really had a chance to read it but it says it's titled one man's quest to end cheating in virtual cycling which i find fascinating because i know how frustrated some people get that they think people are gaming the leaderboard so mad it does yeah and uh so it seems to focus on zwift But it also calls out lots of other things, including Peloton. So it sounds like what he's saying is that the way it calculates your output is based on self-reported weight. Mm -hmm. And so riders could toggling their weight mid-race to falsely inflate their speed and power recording and cover the race course faster. That's so gross. Yeah. And so he thought like, oh, there's no way this would work. They'll catch it. And that it it totally worked. And it's it's really problematic because with the rise of esports, I guess a lot of people are actually making money doing this. That's crazy. And he also like is part of a team. Like yeah. it's part of esports. Wow. And that's crazy. I understand why people 
who are benefiting from some kind of esport or, you know, they're trying to get money out of it. I understand why they would be motivated to cheat. I will right. never understand why people are che- motivated to cheat on Peloton platform. Right. Like, I don't get to it. To what end? I yeah. don't get it. Well, I guess maybe they're going to have to come out with bikes that when you get on are actually also a scale. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it just knows what you weigh. Well, that would be freaking depressing. <laughs> <laughs> You gained five pounds. <laughs> well, you know what? F*** you, bike. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we will have to keep an eye on this and see if we can uh, maybe we can talk to this guy. That'd yeah, be that would be fascinating. That would be an interesting conversation. Maybe we should reach out and see yeah. if we can get a hold of him. Yeah, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. I want to see how he's going to shut it all down. And uh, coming up after this, we're going to tell you all sorts of instructor updates who got engaged, who's trying to have a baby, who's a New York Times bestselling author. I bet you probably at least know the answer to that one. So uh, stick around. Man, oh man, do you love your AG1? I really do. You too. It's a wonderful tasting drink, and it also makes me feel good. Like, it's a great way to start the day. Uh, you know, I grew up, my dad always had things like tomato juice first thing in the right. morning. I feel like AG1 is my tomato juice. <laughs> <laughs> it's this generation's V8. Yes, I, I do. Uh, but I love the way it makes me feel. It's like I get all of my vitamins and I'm ready for the day just with a drink. And like I said, it's a good tasting drink. And it can help replace your, your multivitamin just by drinking an AG1 every day. Yes, and not only did I replace my multivitamin with AG1, but I love that every scoop also includes prebiotics, probiotics, and digestive enzymes for gut support. It also has vitamin C and zinc to support my immune health. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase at drinkag1.com slash clip out. That's drinkag1.com slash clip out. Check it out. Man, there is nothing worse than when you buy a pair of sunglasses and then you lose or break them. I would agree. So what do we do about that? Well, that's where Gooder comes in. Their sunglasses are $25 each. So nobody likes to throw away $25, but it's a lot better than throwing away 100 or more dollars on a pair of broken sunglasses, right? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I have to say that's not my favorite part about Gooder. My favorite part about Gooder is that when I run, they don't slip, they don't bounce, and they're 100% polarized. Um, and they also come in like a million different colors and styles. For your $25, you're not sacrificing comfort, safety, or style. If you want to support the show and pick up a pair, Gooder is giving the Clipout listeners free shipping on their first order. Just go to gooder.com slash TCO. That's G-O-O-D-R.com and use code TCO to get free shipping. Gooder offers a 30-day money-back guarantee and 100% satisfaction. Find your pair at gooder.com slash TCO and use code TCO to get free shipping. Instructors in the news. Maddie Majacomo got engaged this week. I am so freaking happy for that man. <laughs> oh my God. Listen, you know, I cannot think of many people who <laughs> deserve happiness in love more than Maddie Majacomo. And I am just so ecstatic for him and his uh, new fiance, Evan. I can't wait to see 
the details of the wedding. I can't wait to see how all this goes down. And uh, of course, they just got their new puppy not that long ago. So it's going to be just a happy little family. <laughs> so, well, congrats to them. Huge congrats. Cody Rigsby is now officially a New York Times bestselling author. That he is. We knew it was going to happen. There it is. <laughs> a week later. <laughs> they, they, it, that was a full core press. Yeah, it was. He it was. was everywhere, but it looks like it did the trick. So congrats to him. Congrats to Cody. Speaking of books, uh, we found out today that Ross Rayburn has a book coming out. I'm so excited about this one. Uh, I'm excited about it because he's actually talking about not just his life. He's talking about meditation specifically and all the benefits behind it, which there are many and how he fell in love with it. Uh, And you can already pre-order the book. So we've got a link for that. We've got an article for that. And also, I just love Ross Rayburn. He's like (laughs) the nicest guy. He is very, very nice. So sweet. So sweet. I also, I got to say, it's refreshing. Hey, you can pre-order my book right now. There wasn't nine months built up. Here you go. <laughs> it, is, it is a little bit overwhelming as, as someone who lives in the Peloton space. Like, yeah. That you've made, like, covering it such a large part of your life that it's just like, it's been book after book after book. I mean, I think the average person is like, oh, an instructor wrote a book. Okay, maybe I'll think about buying it. I'm sure that's Which true. is why they have to get so aggressive about it. <laughs> it but, is. But for someone who covers it all, it can be exhausting. A little bit. Yeah. But congrats to Ross. Absolutely. Mariana Fernandez uh, this week posted on the gram about her fertility journey. She did. And uh, she also shared publicly, of course, that she um, was she has frozen her eggs, that that has happened. And uh, that way she can secure her ability to have children when she is ready to do that. Um, I think that's really really amazing i love that these instructors do share these aspects of their lives that's a very personal thing to be so personal yeah so personal and it is not i mean i've never gone through the fertility journey that i know but i i've watched people go through how difficult it is yeah and of course going through it you you experience much different than watching someone go through it so like as a person seeing people struggle you're only seeing like a tenth of the agony and the stress right and the the poking yourself with all the needles and all the hormones and all the things so i really appreciate when people are open and share these things i mean i understand when they're not it's just i do too it's just nice when someone is comfortable enough to do that like that's that that i was saying it's nice makes it sound like it's not nice if they don't but it's it you know I, i think what specifically speaks to me is when when a person shares at that level and what I mean is like when these instructors who are so public right. take the time to share something that is not easy and let let other people then by proxy right. be seen it helps their struggles it. being seen. Yes. Yeah. And that is amazing. Uh, Leanne Hainsby commemorated a year since she first started chemo. And again, this is another thing like Look how much she's she shared about her chemo journey. Look how much she shared about her cancer journey. Again, normalizing and showing like even a person who is healthy, who takes care of themselves, yeah. still got breast cancer. Uh, I think that that is an important conversation to have as well. And I can't believe it's already been a freaking year. I know, right? Oh, my God. <laughs> this year has gone so fast. They I'm all glad do. she's doing so well, though. I really am. Absolutely. 
So Time Magazine uh, spotlighted, spotlit, <laughs> featured, Spot, spotlighted, <laughs> featured. Robin Arzan is one of America's top Latin leaders for 2023. That she is. God, God. Can you imagine being featured in Time Magazine? That's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. I know magazines aren't as important as they used to be. No, they are not. That's but, true. Uh, but it's still pretty cool. <laughs> Heck yeah. Congrats to Robin. Camilla Ramon spoke to uh, Walmart this week as part of Latin and Hispanic Heritage Month about the importance of diversity in the workspace. That's that's another important thing. I, I've heard so many people from the Latin community speak up about how much they love having these instructors that they feel represented by. And I'm really glad that, as always, I feel like we've said this a million times, but I still think it's true. The variety of instructors that Peloton has hired over the years. Yeah. It's impressive. It's really impressive. Uh, and it's pretty cool that, that they are getting, I would say the newer instructors are getting more visibility and showing that they are able to speak to somebody like a Walmart right. about inclusivity. Absolutely. That's a big deal. So uh, Ben Aldis is going to run the London Marathon. In 2024. In 2024. Yes. Now, did you hear who his coach was? His running no. coach? This is me we're talking to. Well, I mean, I told you about it. Oh. That was really a softball. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I Le think you had been drinking. Leanne Hainsby. No. Oh. John Hosky. John Hosking. And it was the cutest video that they did. Uh, apparently, John Hosking can just develop a bromance with anybody. <laughs> and it's like the best thing ever. So, yeah. John Hosking is going to be uh, Ben Aldis's run coach. <laughs> they jokingly said in the video... Ben said that he tried to get Susie Chan and she couldn't make it. So he was waiting there to see who his coach was going to be. And here comes John Hosking. <laughs> and then they do a whole reel with, with John having him do all these different workouts and stuff. But, you know, another thing I can't help but wonder, do you think maybe we're going to see another running program? It's been a while. So it's been about three or four years when uh, Matt Wilbers and Bex Gentry did a marathon running program right and i i'm curious if we're gonna see another one come out of this and i would love for that to be the case so we shall see we shall see speaking of marathons uh, jeffrey mckeechern finished the berlin marathon with amazing times what were his times tom uh very fast and then her his mile pace was really fast <laughs> he finished the berlin marathon in three hours and 36 minutes are you being serious? I don't know. Look at the article and tell me. And his uh, mile pace was 816. Yes. Very good, Tom. Did you, I get that right? You did get that right. And I just want to point out, I do not have this yeah, article I'm on my I'm actually really curious how you have that information in your head. I guess it's the same way you won trivia twice this week. Twice. We need this as, a, I think, an important time to point out to people. They did a movie quote trivia. They did. That started at 6.15, <laughs> but we started, we thought it started at 6.30. Whoops-a-daisy. It was 25 questions. We walked in and we missed the first six questions. We did. It came in on number seven. And we still won. <laughs> <laughs> People were not happy. They were not happy at all. <laughs> at all. Not in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> it's also funny to me how, like, we did another another movie trivia, 
that who's that same night it i was think the, it was the tv one well, we didn't do nearly as well on that one. Oh yeah, there was, was another. The, was it the movie? There was a music. movie quote one the next day, and we like <laughs> we we didn't tank, but like we did not do no. near as well. Where on the the one, it was just like I knew every single every one single of one. Yeah, uh, so much fun. It was. Fun. We love doing the trivia, and it's so funny. People get so mad, and I'm like, dude, we won luggage tags. Like, Dial it down. It's okay. It's not that big of a deal. Luggage tags, and then the other one we got a, a tote bag. A tote bag from. Disney Not even one of the really line. nice tote bags. No. <laughs> it was it's made out of recycled cotton. Yes. I mean, I, I am grateful they give us anything. For sure. Because we've we've done we've do some of these for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just funny. We um, did not win the costume contest last night though. We did not. We did not. But uh but there were some really good costumes. There, there. were some. So really, I don't feel bad about that. And at we all. weren't trying to win a costume contest. No. We were just trying to have fun. For sure. By the way, if you haven't seen pictures, you should roll on by my personal uh, my personal Facebook, uh, we, we dressed up as Cruella DeVille. And I was a Dalmatian. And whenever they asked Tom what he dressed up as, he said, wolf. I said, wolf. <laughs> like, you are Cruella DeVille, and you are? Wolf. Wolf. Oh, my God. Crowd loved it. Not it's enough to, not not enough enough to, to keep to, us on the stage. Yeah. <laughs> Bastards. So, um, anyway. Oh, yeah, Jeffrey. I had those times right. You did have those times right. Yeah, the stuff that sticks in your head will never, (laughs) ever cease to amaze me. But congratulations (laughs) to Jeffrey McEckern. That's pretty freaking cool. He was real tired by the end. I think uh, anybody who runs that fast would be. (laughs) Yeah, that that makes sense. Yeah. So, uh, a website called Grimy Goods, which is a long-running music blog based out of LA. So you know that one? Uh, No, but I clicked their about page because I was like, what is this? Cool, cool, cool. And and, uh, they had an article about five women DJ producers you need to see at some music festival coming up in San Diego. So, and it was interesting because Jess King gets a mention, not as a, she's not appearing there or if she is, they don't think you should go see her. I don't think she's appearing there. I'm just being shitty. Okay. uh, They were referencing one of the other DJs, and this is a woman who I thought it was a woman who wrote the article, but I honestly don't know. But the author was saying how they, the first time they heard this particular DJ was from a Jess King class. Interesting. And so I just thought it was interesting that someone who is wired into music enough that they write for a music blog that seems to be pretty well renowned, they got exposed to music. By just by a Peloton ride. Yeah, that that's says fair. a lot. Says a lot. It does. Plus, the Arctic Monkeys are on tour. I didn't know that. Huh, how about that? Yeah. I would rather see the regular monkeys. I know, but you've seen them plenty. But yeah, it's really kind of it's over. Not a thing. I'm sorry. No, yeah. sad. It is so. God, we're getting old. We are. And coming up after this, we're going to tell you about the latest artist series and what celebrity we now know loves Peloton. So stick around. If you're looking to avoid carbs, it's always a challenge trying to find bread that fits in with your keto lifestyle. Right, because you want to make sure that it tastes good and you want to make sure it has good ingredients. So I think Hero Bread does both. Especially when you're in the store, you are overwhelmed with bread choices. Yes. And I've had other breads before that claim to have low net carbs and you are certainly sacrificing taste texture size yes none of that with hero bread no because sometimes on the ones that have the low net carbs they have like no substance to it (laughs) it's like eating air it is and hero bread actually 
really tasted good and it felt like a solid piece of bread. Like I did not feel like I was giving up something. I was surprised at how big each slice of bread was. Here's the real test of a piece of bread. (laughs) I didn't make a sandwich with these. I just had toast. Which you love because you have toast almost every day. I do. It was the (laughs) best textured bread of this sort that I've ever had. And if you're doing the math, it's zero to one grams of net carbs, zero gram sugar and high in fiber. So don't give up being a breadhead. Hero Bread is offering 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use code TCO at checkout. That's TCO at H-E-R-O dot C-O. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Peloton Artist Collaboration. The latest artist series features none other than country music superstar Thomas Rhett. Which I'm actually really excited about this because I um, took a class with Matt Wilpers during the little music thing that they just did. where the all for one series. <laughs> like I keep thinking yes. what it was called. And one of them was like a small class with Matt Wilpers and it was it was all Thomas Rhett classes. And this is called the number ones. So they're just celebrating his 20 number one hits. Because he has so many. Yes, which is really cool. Yeah. So there's going to be a 30 minute class that is going to be just a run with Matt. And then there's going to be a ride with Hannah Corbin. Both of them will be covering the 30 minutes of 20 number one hits. Which I guess I'm, they're going to have to leave a few on the table. They're going to be able to get to all 20 in 60 minutes. Well, that's fair. <laughs> One wouldn't think anyway. I don't know. Unless they're doing medleys or remixes or something. We shall see. We shall see. We also have official confirmation of the Janet Jackson artist series. Yeah. We, I mean, we knew it was coming, but right. now we... And we also have a full list of the artist series of classes. And boy, are there a ton, including a lane break. If you include the lane break, there are 12... 15 different classes that are coming out for Janet oh, Jackson. Wow. Yeah. And two lane breaks, by the way. Oh, nice. A 15 minute run on the lane break. And then there's going to be a 15 minute warm up on the bike. So that's pretty darn cool. Absolutely. Peloton celebrity sightings. So we have a new celebrity sighting. Uh, Celebwell.com talked about Chelsea Handler. And she mentions that she is a Peloton member i mean it makes sense it makes sense she seems to be uh in in shape she seems looks like she works out yeah not to be creepy but uh (laughs) so it stands to reason but it's always fun to see another another celebrity added to the ranks it is and i just have to say because i know somebody is going to send me a note yes i know that lawyers ulrich um, is is a Peloton user. And I know that he was just talking about it on a podcast, but Tom and I have talked about it before. Yes. So that's why we didn't include it this week as his own little thing because right. we've, we know, we've known this that for not, a long time. This is not new information. No, and he is a huge fan. And yes, we did try to get him on the show. Yes. And we failed. We failed. But Sad anybody's trombone. got an in, you know? Yeah, for sure. 
If you got an in with Chelsea Handler, we would love that too. Absolutely. <laughs> that would be fine. <laughs> That's pretty cool. New content. Matt Wilper's Saturday Ride music requests are transitioning from the Power Zone pack to Team Wilpers. Yeah. So if you have been a person who has been putting in your requests for the Saturday classes in the Power Zone Pack Facebook page, well, you can't do that anymore. Now you got to go over to Team Wilpers and do that. And uh, that's that's taking place this week. Yes. Well, isn't that just an interesting little turn of events? We will let you draw your own conclusions about that. Yes. But uh, I guess if you want to get kicked out of Power Zone Pack, you can go over there and be like, hey, where do I put my music requests? And then they'll probably... <laughs> That seems like how that would play out. <laughs> I'm afraid to comment. I'm yeah. pretty sure somebody's going to boot me out of this room if I comment on <laughs> yeah. it. I'm like, it's funny. They, they, I just remember years ago when they slammed me into the group without asking me and then kicked me out. <laughs> I'm just like, <laughs> oh, shit, I was like, I didn't have to be here in the first place. <laughs> oh, so, wow. Alex Toussaint had a, a is has a double header well it will have happened no By it's happening time- <laughs> no this Saturday. comes out on friday it's happening on saturday so yeah. if you listen on day one as you should <laughs> this will be news but if not then it's already happened there you go but uh but he is teaching two classes in a day which is, says something about his level of commitment given everything he has going on right now like he's super busy yeah he's so busy but also it's it's really just the ride to great greatness, and then you think he'd be there by now. <laughs> he's been ride to greatness for like six years. Like it would be he's, like he's inviting everyone else to come along. Oh, I see. It's a ride. Well, he's got to be so far ahead. How are That's... we even going to spot him? <laughs> Make a good point. Well, you can do a twenty-minute ride to greatness with Alex on Saturday, and. The other half of that doubleheader is a 30-minute club bangers ride, which that's any, his signature ride. Are there any rides to mediocrity? That's more my speed. <laughs> I feel like if I answered that, somebody would be mad. <laughs> Let's You're just like, say I have an opinion yeah. that the answer is yes, and we will yes. leave it at that. Go get yourself an echelon. <laughs> they, they, med- mediocrity would be a level up for them. Dang. So Susie Chan is going to appear at the Cheltenham Literature Festival. Listen to you pronouncing that UK name with with confidence. I mean, I don't know how else you'd say it, although they pronounce it Thames. Exactly. So who knows? I'm not confident with anything London-oriented London. Hello, there's a silent Q in there. Bloody Americans <laughs> don't know how to read. <laughs> well, they just add O's and U's. It's weird. Add syllables um, to words like aluminium. Right? Yeah. I don't understand that. Oh, I think we're undocking. We are moving. Oh, oh yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh. Bye, St. Martin. <laughs> so... Susie is going to be speaking, though, at the Literature Festival. Now, a lot of people miss this because if you look at all the information... It's it's all it's like buried. It's buried. This lady Louise Minchin is kind of the headliner, right? And so her name's all over everything. But luckily so. for you listeners, we are 
avid followers of the Cheltenham Literature Festival. <laughs> you and know we it. receive their newsletters weekly. And so we were very well aware of the goings on at the Cheltenham Literature Festival. I mean, we wouldn't miss it. So do you think this means Susie Chan has a book in the works? Appearing at a literature festival? I don't know. I wouldn't. I would not doubt it. I'm just like, I, like, what are you going to literature festivals for if you're not writing a book? It's fair. But on the flip side of that, I wouldn't consider, with all due respect to the instructors, I don't know that I would consider their books literature. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Like, I, like not like, in a mean way. I don't consider, like, I, like, I'll read Stephen King. I don't know that I consider it literature. I, right? Like, right. that's Charles Dickens. Right. And, you know what I mean? It's, it's really all of the books I, I dislike. Like, I don't like literature yeah. in all. It's in the all. really fancy pants books with metaphors right. and oh, things like God, that. Let the red shoes go. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But uh, the reason, it says that, that, it's part of a broader theme at the festival because it's all about resilience and bravery. Okay. And I think that it is fair to say that Susie's achievements being a, a woman in endurance sports are a good fit. That um, makes sense. It, it, you know, I mean, Badwater 135 that she did this year is is a great example of both of those things. So I think that that's a big reason. I don't think it's just about like literature. It's like they just have a whole theme and she's a good person to fit that theme. Gotcha. Um, but either way, people who would love to meet Susie and, and they are in the area, they could take part in this and you still have time that's the best part and because not it wasn't as obvious that she was going to be there as some of the things that that we talk about right I, the tickets were still available today anyway so uh if you're interested those are going to she's going to make her appearance on october 15th so you still have time as of this recording to get your tickets and and meet Susie, which i really hope someday to do <laughs> Someday. In case you missed it. Okay, the TCO Top 5. We reach out to you guys and you tell us your favorite classes and then we compile them and spit them back at you like an Eminem verse. This week, it, it was really interesting. It seems like everyone is having a real hard time with uh, going back to school. Okay. So everybody's favorites were super chill. OK, uh, we've got the favorite stretch. This was from Maddie Majacomo, 20 minute evening stretch. Uh, and M Marie K. Burdick, uh, she said, not sure if we've mentioned this one, but these evening stretches are an amazing way to mind da wind down. I took the one from August 4th. It's totally relaxing and almost as good, almost as good as a Ross sleep meditation. That is high praise. Right yeah. there. Very high praise. Uh, we have not featured Maddie's evening stretches as a TCO top five, but we did do a story about them. Uh, Tina reviewed them uh, at theclipout.com. Uh, however, the next one comes from the favorite Peloton ride. This was a 30-minute feel-good ride with Allie Love. Allie Love's 30-minute feel-good ride from 9-17-23. A great class, and she even snuck in a little Tabata. Love her energy and love taking these feel-good rides on a Monday to start my week. That came from Carrie Pickett Marden. 
And then we have the favorite Peloton walk, 30-minute Disney walk with Jess King. Sarah Lester said that Jess King's 30-minute Disney walk from 924 was great. It wasn't an easy walk and not the music you would typically think of with Disney, but the energy was great and a ton of fun. A lot of contemporary songs as opposed to the classic. Sarah Kaplan-Schmidt agreed and she loved the unexpected choice of music. She added a song from the she added a song from the Descendants and said it's just EDM Disney music. <laughs> <laughs> then we had the favorite Peloton Row 92523. This one was a 30-minute classical row with Alex Karowski and Susan Dutton Burton. Favorite class this week was Alex K's 30-minute classical row. He explained the history of each musical piece he selected, so I learned a lot. It was so enjoyable, not boring, went by so fast. Big climatic ending, highly recommend. And here's a tip. If you want to customize your rower foot straps with your favorite Crocs gibbets like I have, it's easy and they fit perfectly. Well, watch your gibbets. <laughs> you don't want to get those caught in anything. They're like a little, like they're a little, uh, she has a Boston on them. Like it's a little sports thingy that you can like close it. So a gibbets is like a closure ah. of some kind. But see, we didn't know that, Susan. You know us and anything <laughs> sports related. So Especially thank you me. for thank you for including the picture. Uh, then we have the favorite unstackable run. Now we didn't get a group recommendation this week, and uh, this one came from Bex Gentry. I know, I know, she's not actually part of the group, but. We're gonna. We're just gonna go with it now. Bex showed off some extra color on her face after she took a hit run with Selena. She shared her experience in a since-expired Instagram story while sitting on the floor, pointing to her cheeks. This is what happens after taking two Selena tread classes. Look at these stripes, referring to these sweaty red streaks on her <laughs> cheeks. Uh, Bex did stack this with an endurance run as a cool down, but when you're an Olympic trials runner, you just do that sort of thing. For most of us, for most of us, we're gonna. Consider it an unstackable. That's a 30-minute hit run from Saturday, 923. Kindle Tool has a new, or had, it's probably mostly gone by the time you hear this, uh, yeah. a new uh, spiritual gangster collaboration. Yep. Is it gangster or gangsta? Gangster. Gangster. Yes. Okay. Gangster. I don't have to be all street about it. No, you do That's not. Good. I do love the color of this one. Um, yeah. And uh, the it dropped really early the other morning, but... You know, I was afraid to post too early. I might piss somebody off. So <laughs> I let it go. Got to be careful. I know. Somebody will get mad. So even though it came out at like 7 a.m., I waited. And then I waited too long and the day got behind me. So Whoops. by the time I got around to posting it, the sports bras were already gone and people were upset. So, so you'll have to run around with them jiggling. <laughs> oh, my God. Tom. Uh, and finally, uh, we have this week at Peloton. We do. We do. Uh, so a lot of stuff is happening. There's a beginner strength roll call. Uh, that's it's beginner's week. Uh, so if you haven't ever taken a roll call class, this is a great way to get started. There's also new pulse hour classes are starting. Well, they're not starting. They've been around. But I guess they're all new ones. Bar Pilates. There's going to be and one from Hannah Corbin, Anna Greenberg, Aditi, Ali Love, Kristen McGee, and uh, those are all going to be at 9.30 a.m. Eastern this week. And then there is the Blue Beetle Movie Ride, and that's going to be taking place on the September the 28th, so it'll be taking place by the time you hear this. I'm really confused why they're doing this. So late. Weeks like, after the movie it started. It came out like five or six weeks ago. 
I'm super confused about yeah, that. But but I will say that uh, your your real spoilers, you guys you guys reviewed this movie. We did an episode on Blue Beetle. So if you if you want to hear the spoilers review. You can go get that over on Real Spoilers. I wonder if it's tying into its VOD release or like if it'll be on HBO Max oh, that's that a good week question. and that they're trying to, or is it already on? V- I don't even know. But uh, but yeah, it's just odd that they're doing something around that movie so late in the game. Like and, and clearly that's studio driven. Uh, agreed. You know, yeah, I wonder like if it has Peloton something to do- wouldn't just decide to do that. I wonder if it has something to do with the strike. Oh, maybe. I don't know. That's yeah. a good question. Also, Jen Sherman's cover to cover series is back this week people really love that one so it's gonna be a, a fun one and that's back starting this week peloton birthdays and we've got one birthday this week it's on october 3rd and it is nico serrani how are we in october we because uh, time is linear <sighs> happy birthday nico and coming up after this, we're going to talk to Jacob Morgan. He's a futurist. And you're going to hear all about what a futurist is. Yeah, because we didn't know. No, we did not. We had questions. We are pastists. <laughs> but not past this. No. Because we hold grudges. <laughs> so stick around. Checking in with the Peloton community. Joining us today via the magic of ZoomTube is Jacob Morgan. He is a trained futurist yeah which he will have to explain absolutely and one of the world's leading authorities on leadership and the future of work and the employing experience and he's written five best-selling books that sounds like i'm talking about dr jen now. <laughs> it does. Uh, i'm not gonna rattle them all off but the most recent one was leading with vulnerability or i guess it should be out right about now if yeah. we're doing our jobs properly hey jacob how's it going <laughs> Good. Thank you for having me. Well, you guys seem like you have way too much fun on this show. Well, we try. <laughs> we try because whenever you have that side, that side thing, that hobby that you turn into also sort of a kind of job, you better enjoy it because you spend a lot of time on it. You probably yeah. know how that is, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> totally agree. <laughs> okay. We have to start. Usually I start with Peloton questions, but we got to start with futurist because I think there are a lot of people that are raising their eyebrows right now. Like, what yes. does that mean? Please explain. So this was a certification I got at the University of Houston, and it is a professional certification in the realm of foresight. So people who have been on LinkedIn will probably know that sometimes people just put futurists in front of their title because it looks good and it sounds cool. (laughs) But believe it or not, this is actually a field of study. It's something that you can get a master's degree in. It's something you can get certified in. So years ago, I think it was 20, I don't know, 16 or something like that. I went to the University of Houston, spent some time there and got this certification in foresight. And really what it is, it teaches you how to think about the future. There's different frameworks, there's different tools that they give you, different questions that you can ask. And it's just kind of a fun and useful way that you can try to think about things in the future, try to anticipate trends that are coming up. And for me, somebody who writes and talks a lot about leadership and business, I thought that was a very useful skill. I play a lot of chess and chess is always about thinking several moves ahead. And I thought it would be very interesting to kind of learn more about how to do that in the business world. So that's where the certification came from. So I'm just curious, just real high level. We don't need to be certified ourselves. (laughs) Like in chess, there are a finite number of variables for you to contemplate. I mean, obviously, there's a lot, which is why you got to be really smart to be good at it. But in real life, it's infinite. 
the variables. So what can they teach you that helps you predict like, or if we all get hit by an asteroid, here's what you do then. <laughs> Definitely not the asteroid. Yeah. <laughs> um, so believe it or not, there are more possible moves in a game of chess than there are atoms in the universe. What? There wow. are more possible moves in a game of chess than there are seconds that have elapsed since the Big Bang. But that's total moves. But if you're in one specific moment in time yes. moving forward, it's been winnowed. It's still crazy high, but... Crazy yeah. high, yes. And again, it depends on the situation, depending on what's going on in the board position. But yeah, I mean, chess is almost a limitless game. It's almost an infinite game because of the number of possible variations and moves that are out there. And see, I and always so say I'm... the same thing about shoots and ladders. And people, <laughs> people don't believe me. <laughs> I don't get the same yeah, level of respect. I remember how to play that game. <laughs> um, so in life, it's kind of similar, right? So imagine, for example, you're running a business. And you are trying to make a strategic business decision. You want to acquire a company. You want to make an investment in something. Well, you can approach it in a couple of different ways. One is, okay, I'm going to make this investment. Business is going to grow. We're going to be great. But thinking like a futurist, um, using this concept of foresight teaches you to think in terms of different scenarios and possibilities. So what are some of the other possibilities that might happen if you make that investment? What are some of the things that could help make that possibility come to fruition or to keep that possibility from coming to fruition? And so it's a series of these types of questions where when you're faced with a potential roadblock, when the scenario that you ideally want to happen doesn't happen, you can be prepared to kind of take those additional steps. Going back to the chess analogy, it's equivalent to playing a game of chess. And instead of only thinking that you can make one move on the chessboard and your opponent can only make one move on the chessboard, you think in terms of scenarios. Well, I could move my knight and my opponent might move their bishop, but if they don't move their bishop, they could also castle. And if they do that, then I'm going to do this. And that's ultimately what this concept of foresight and thinking like a futurist entails, is how do you train and practice thinking in that kind of a way? So it's not about predicting the future, but it's helping make sure that you're not surprised by what the future might bring. So if you're on a chessboard, it's kind of like, well, I have a good idea of what my opponent can do, but you never want to be playing a game of chess. Your opponent does something and you're like, oh my God, like I didn't know that was coming because then you know you're in trouble. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. It sounds a lot like project management, actually. I was thinking that too. It sounds like a yeah. Gantt chart for... Yeah, because like in, in the project management world, you're always like trying to think of like all the possible roadblocks that could come up and then mitigating yeah. those, right? Yeah. So there's a very helpful and I can give you just kind of like a useful visual. And so one of the famous tools that a lot of futurists use is called the cone of possibilities. And you can Google this. Even I've made an image about that. There's, there's a lot of like visuals and illustrations about it. And so the way that this kind of cone looks... So imagine you're peering through the narrow end of a cone. And the narrowest part of the cone represents the closest time horizon. It's what's closest to you. Okay. And the narrow part of the cone, it's narrow. There's not a lot that you can see. But the farther out you look into the cone, the broader the cone becomes. And the more uh, space there is, and that represents the farthest time horizon. So this concept of thinking like a futurist basically means that... A lot of us are really good at knowing what's going to happen tomorrow, the next day, maybe the next month, maybe if we're lucky, a couple of months out. But the farther out we think, the farther out we peer down this cone, the broader it becomes and the more possibilities and the more scenarios are possible. So if I ask you what's going to happen tomorrow, you'll probably know. If I ask you what do you think is going to happen three years from now in your life or in the world, 
all of a sudden you can rattle off all sorts of different scenarios and possibilities. So there are really four questions that kind of go to this concept of the cone of possibilities. So the first question is, what is it that you want to happen? So if I were to ask you, you have a vision, you have an idea, like what's your ideal scenario of what you want to happen, right? That's one of them. The second question is, well, what do you think is likely to happen? You can think of a very practical example. We think about AI, we think about the realm of things like ChatGPT and what's going to happen to employees and jobs, right? This is a very practical example of you can try to anticipate, well, what do you want to happen? Well, I would like a lot of the mundane, boring aspects of work to be given to technology, and I would love to focus on the human aspect of work. Well, what do you think is likely to happen? Well, I mean, if you look at the trend that we're starting to see with how good technology is becoming, it's certainly possible and likely that we will get to a point where lots of jobs will get automated, where lots of these kind of mundane aspects of work are going to get replaced by technology. And then you start to look at these other types of scenarios. Well, what else is possible? Maybe things are going to be the same way in five years from now as they are today. Maybe we're not going to see a lot of change. Maybe there's going to be a lot of regulations and rules that's going to stifle technology and keep it from making the impact that we think it's going to have. So you start to ask yourself these types of questions. And as you move down this cone, based on what's happening, you can kind of adjust and see what you need to be doing. But it's really just about making sure you're thinking about the different options that are out there instead of assuming there's only one path that you can take. And how do you feel that this being a futurist has affected or changed being a leader? You also do a lot of leadership. You have books about that. How do you think that's changed things? In my previous book, ironically called The Future Leader, I interviewed 140 CEOs of companies around the world. And I asked them, what is the number one most important skill that we need to have today inside of our organizations? And by far, the vast majority of these 140 CEOs said the skill of the futurist. And that is being able to think in terms of scenarios and possibilities instead of just picking and anticipating a single path and assuming that that's what's going to happen. Because we live and we work in a world that's changing very quickly. The pace of change is, we always talk about it, right? How fast it is, how much change we're going through, how much turbulence there is. So we need to be really good at being adaptable, at being agile, at being able to pivot. And that's really what the skill of the futurist is about looking at the different scenarios and possibilities and being able to quickly pivot when you encounter obstacles or roadblocks or challenges to make sure that you're not kind of stifled and you just can't move forward. To make sure you're not Sears. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Or Montgomery Wards. Sears, Blockbuster. I mean, you can go through the list of so many of these organizations out there where they failed because they had a single track that they thought the future was going to be. And when anything was telling them, hey, that track is likely not going to happen. They're like, no, let's screw that. Like, we're going to make it happen. We know what we're doing. We've been doing this for 100 years. We can't be wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And they haven't been paying attention. And not only not paying attention, it's more like they saw, like, obviously, Blockbuster was aware of Netflix, but they're like, there's no way, right? That's not going to happen. That wasn't even on their radar as far as a possibility or a scenario. They had the one path, charge ahead at all costs ignore anything else that comes our way and you disappear. It's always ironic, like using Blockbuster as an example, when a disruptor gets disrupted, right? Like people didn't necessarily think in terms of disruptors when Blockbuster started, but they were right. Like it was the idea of watching movies at home was very new and it was very scary to the film industry until they figured out how to bake it into the business model. And then they loved it. 
Yeah. But they completely flipped the script on how people engaged with media. And then they had it done to them, like not too far into their life cycle in the grand scheme of things. They really only lasted about a generation. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And there are, you know, there are lots of stories. Kodak is obviously a famous example mm, that people yeah. keep talking about as well. So the business world is filled with those types of stories or examples where leaders and leaders of organizations, they go down that one path. And when something gets in the way, it crumbles and everything falls apart. I'll give you one that didn't even last a full life cycle. Oh, well, Clubhouse. Oh, yeah. Remember when yeah. Clubhouse was worth like $9 billion for about four minutes? <laughs> yeah. And they were Clubhouse, like, you know, yeah, we're, we're we not going to sell this. We're going to take over the world. Yeah. And then yeah, the remember Quibi? No. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was dumb. From what was the jump. Quibi? I don't remember Quibi. It was like Quibi TV was on your phone. Jeffrey Katzenberg, uh, who's a big TV media executive, teamed up with, I believe it was Meg Whitman. They put billions of dollars into this company to do, yeah, like short form content to be viewed on your phone. They hired all the top actors and this and that. And it just poof, uh, throwing, lasted a couple months, yeah. sold for parts. Yeah, wow. they were throwing our money like crazy. And they were actually filming their shows on like, yeah, on your it phone was, dimensions. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. it was I crazy. I don't even remember that. Yeah, because it, it, yeah, it the bed so fast. <laughs> <laughs> they disappeared quickly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I guess I'm curious then how vulnerability plays into all of this then, because you don't usually I don't think about leaders being vulnerable. I know the leaders I've worked with. Or can I try and answer? Oh, I mean, that's between you guys. I'm just my I'm... guess <laughs> is because they're not vulnerable. And that's the problem. Like huh? they're too egotistical to say Maybe we don't know what we're doing. Instead, they say, no, we're going to sit here and keep renting people DVDs because, God damn it, that's what we've always done. Oh, is he right? Yeah. Is he right? Did he get one? Sort of. So <laughs> I'll take it. There's a distinction that I really try to make between vulnerability versus leading with vulnerability. Okay. So let me kind of split those two apart. Vulnerability is something that a lot of people are familiar with. We've all experienced. We all know what it feels like to be vulnerable. And for most of us, it is the assumption that you say or do something that puts yourself in a position where what you said or did could be used against you in some way to cause emotional harm, sometimes physical harm, but for most of us, it's usually emotional harm. So for example, I say something, somebody else can use it against me, I don't get promoted, or I get fired or whatever, it's something that somebody can use against me. And that's what a lot of us think of vulnerability. And so I always wondered, in our personal lives, it's clear why you want to be vulnerable with friends, with family members, right? You're trusting them. It's okay to kind of be emotional and share things like that. But then I wondered, is it really just that easy and applicable and practical inside of a work setting where we have a different dynamic? Because at work, now all of a sudden we have a hierarchy, we have a structure, we have teams and functions, we have dollars and cents that are at play, we have deadlines and timelines, we have pay. I mean, it's a very different environment. It's a very different structure. Whereas in our personal lives, that kind of structure does not exist. And then I was also interested, well, what happens if you're in a leadership role? So now I'm responsible for people. Now I'm responsible for the fiscal aspect of a team or a business or a function. Is vulnerability for me the same as it is for everybody else? And it turns out it's not. And one of the stories that I give in the book is of Hollis Harris. And he used to be the former CEO of Continental Airlines. And the company was struggling. We all know it ended up going to United. The company was struggling for several years. 
And Hollis Harris was asked to address his entire workforce. And so he sent out a memo to all of his 40,000 employees. And he said to them, he acknowledged that the company was struggling. It was going through tough times. And he didn't really know what to do. And his best piece of advice that he gave in this memo was he said, all of the employees at Continental Airlines should pray for the future of the company. And the next day, he was fired. Now, what Hollis Harris did in that situation was very vulnerable. And this story was actually told to me by Doug Parker, the CEO of American Airlines. And what he said is, Hollis was vulnerable, but there was no leadership. So what I always tell people is you should not be vulnerable inside of your organization. You should lead with vulnerability. So just the vulnerability piece is the emotional exposure. It's kind of what Hollis Harris did. Now, let's take another example of another CEO named Fleetwood Grobler. He's the CEO of a company called Sassel, South African energy company, 30,000 plus employees. He took over as CEO when the company was $13 billion in debt. And this was even before the pandemic. Then the pandemic happened, the company's just nosediving. And the banks were about to come in and take everything over. And Hollis too had to address his entire workforce. But he gave a very different message. He also was vulnerable. He acknowledged the company is struggling. I don't know the exact path that we're going to take going forward. So he was vulnerable in that regard. But then he added the leadership piece. And the leadership piece was, I have a vision of where this business can go. I have an idea, a picture in my mind of where we can end up in the future. I don't know the exact steps I'm going to take to get there, but if you work with me to help me figure out that exact path, we can rebuild trust with our customers and with our employees, and we can turn our business around and we can be successful. And that's exactly what they did. So there is a difference between vulnerability and leading with vulnerability. And it's something very simple. It's called the vulnerable leader equation. Leadership plus vulnerability equals leading with vulnerability. And too often, what we see inside of our organizations is we show up to work and we say, I need help. I'm struggling. I don't know how to do this. I made a mistake. And at a certain point, your leaders and your peers are going to look at you and they're going to say, what the hell are you doing in this job? <laughs> yeah. If you keep showing up, talking about all of this stuff, why are you here? Like, Why are you in this role? So think of a very classic example, right? I mean, let's say I work for you. Right. So I go to you and I say, Hey, Crystal, and you assigned a project to me and I screwed it up. Right. I, I made a mistake. Ugh, Being vulnerable <laughs> would be I go to you, Crystal, and I say, Hey, Crystal, I am so sorry. I know you gave me this project. I really messed it up. I'm sorry. That's a vulnerable thing to do. Yeah. Leading with vulnerability would say, Crystal, I'm so sorry. I screwed this up. I made a mistake. Here's what I learned from the mistake that I made. Here's what I'm going to commit to doing to make sure that that does not happen again in the future. That's leading with vulnerability. And that is the critical piece that we oftentimes forget inside of our organizations. One of the CEOs I interviewed is Steve Bilt. He's from Smile Brands. It's a dental healthcare provider. He gave me this really great analogy. And he said, if you're in sixth grade and you're showing up to sixth grade and you keep asking about fourth grade math, eventually the teacher... And the other students are going to look at you and they're going to say, hey, this is sixth grade. You keep asking us about fourth grade math. Like, what's the deal? Similarly, let's take that same scenario. I'm in sixth grade asking about fourth grade math. But now I say, hey, you know what? I have a tutor. I'm going to stay after school. I'm going to get help from the teacher. I know the homework said to do 10 problems. I did 20 problems to try to get better. That's the leadership piece. 
So in other words, you need to demonstrate that you are learning and growing and trying to close that gap. And inside of your organization, especially if you want to get into a leadership role, you have to demonstrate that leadership piece, not just the vulnerability piece. And one last thing I'll say on this, because I know I've been talking for like 15 minutes straight. <laughs> so leadership and vulnerability is about competence and connection, being good at your job and being able to connect with people. Let's just say, for example, I'm really good at connecting with people, but I'm lacking in the competence piece. And then I go to one of your employees and I say, hey, what do you think about Crystal? And somebody will say, oh, Crystal, and this is, again, assuming you're really good at the competence piece. You're good at the leadership aspect. Safe somebody will say, Yes. <laughs> somebody will say, oh, Crystal is so great at her job. She's closing deals. She's bringing in a lot of money. She's super smart. She's just really good at her role. But it's really hard for me to connect with Crystal. Like We don't have that same chemistry. I don't feel that sense of engagement and motivation. Like It's just really hard for me to connect with Crystal on a human level as a leader. Let's take the opposite scenario. Crystal is really great at the connecting piece, but she struggles at the leadership piece. Again, I would go to one of your employees and say, what do you think of Crystal? And they'd say, oh, Crystal is so great. I love hanging out with her. She's awesome. She's engaging. We have a great time. She's just the best. But I'm not really sure Crystal is the right person to be leading this team because she hasn't demonstrated that she's really good at her job. She seems to be struggling in those aspects. So if you're only good at connection, then people will assume that you are incompetent. If you're only good at competence, people are going to think that you're a robot. So you got to have both of these things at play. Leadership, vulnerability, competence, and connection. Hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. So what about the new book coming out in October? So tell us about that. Is that covering all of these topics? Yeah, that's the whole premise of the book. Wow. The whole premise of that book is lead with vulnerability. Don't just be vulnerable at work, especially if you're a leader, <laughs> you lead with vulnerability. And that is the entire and everything. That's kind of the thesis of it. And all the frameworks and the ideas and concepts kind of support how to make that happen. I love it. Yeah. So vulnerability without a plan is just weakness. It's not even just weakness, but it, you will undermine your own credibility. You will undermine your own status. You will undermine your own work, right? Because essentially what you're doing, and a lot of people do this, we sometimes use vulnerability as a way to justify poor performance, right? So, hey, Jacob, why did you mess up on that? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I didn't have the time. I'm sorry I screwed up. I'm sorry I didn't have the budget. I'm sorry I'm like, I'm just going through a hard time. I'm sorry. At a certain point, nobody's going to care about that. Right. At a certain point, you have to demonstrate that you were hired for the role to do a good job. That doesn't mean that you should treat people as cogs, but it does mean that you need to demonstrate at least that you are trying to close that gap for yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to do those things, but share what you learn. Share how you're going to get better. Share how you're going to move forward, how you're going to create progress. Don't just focus on the vulnerability piece, on the things you're struggling with. Talk about the leadership. Okay. So I know you told us this off the air, but you were a pandemic purchaser of the bike. Is that correct? Okay. So I'm yes. really curious, given all of your background, what you thought of the old CEO leaving, the new leadership coming in, just a high level. I'm not looking for like, I'm not trying to get you to put you on the spot and make you say negative things. I'm just curious if like you put all that into play and like had opinions about it. Not really. I mean, 
my wife looked at that a lot because she studies and looks at customer experience and she's looked at Peloton and the trends that they've had over the years. I honestly am not super abreast on like the changes with Peloton. So I don't really know, honestly. I mean, I know John Foley was the CEO. I know the company had a huge, crazy valuation. Then everything plummeted. It seems like they tried to capitalize on that pandemic wave. And going back to that futurist scenario, it sounds like maybe they never took a step back and thought about like, what happens when the pandemic ends? (laughs) Yeah. Like, what happens when things do go back to somewhat some sense of normalcy? Like, what should we be doing with the business? And I don't know. To me, it just seems like some of those conversations were not happening. And it was just like pandemic, 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 pandemic. And then, uh-oh. Yeah. And cliff. Yeah. It, did, cliff. it does yeah. feel like that. Yeah. So how did you and your wife get into Peloton then? How did that happen? So there's a lot kind of on the Peloton side. First, it originally how a Peloton made its way into our house was with my wife. <laughs> um, we were, I feel you. Yeah. So we... We used to live in the Bay Area. We live in Los Angeles now. So we used to live in the Bay Area across the street from a gym that we used to go to. And then, of course, the pandemic happened. And we're both like very much into fitness and health and exercising. It's a big, huge, huge part of our lives, probably the biggest part of our lives. And we were trying to figure out what are we going to do? And my wife was saying, oh, we should get a Peloton. And I was doing some research on Peloton. And I was like, holy shit, this thing's like $2,500. That's... <laughs> What are you thinking? <laughs> like, I thought we were going to get one of those like Aerodyne bikes, a couple hundred dollars, get in the garage, work up a sweat. She's like, no, 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 no. I want this Peloton bike. I want the classes and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I don't want that thing in this house. I'm like, I don't want a $2,500 bike. So, of course, the bike is in the garage. As a futurist, <laughs> you should have known that your wife was going to get the bike. Like that's, Oh, I did. That's how this plays out. Every time. Yeah, yeah but, but, but you notice it always, he said it, it, it didn't make it to the house, though. So yeah. he, he still, yeah, it was in the garage. I see what you it's did there. The garage. Yeah. It's still in the garage now. See? Now yeah. I use it a lot. And uh, <laughs> she uses it in the garage and now has a treadmill, too. So, yeah, she got it mainly because of the pandemic. And then I started using it. And I'm like, oh, wow, this thing's pretty damn cool. <laughs> and now it's become a big part of I use it almost every day. So I, I still work out in my garage. I have weights. I do cardio on the Peloton. Even my wife, as I mentioned before we hit record, we really wanted to get the Tread Plus. We waited for it for well over a year. And at a certain point, my wife is like, screw this. I need a treadmill. Yeah. So she bought a different treadmill, but still uses the Peloton treadmill courses. So she still uses Peloton treadmill on the treadmill that we have. But it's interesting. So Peloton became an interesting part of my life for a few reasons, not just from the health and wellness perspective, just from exercising, but it also kind of ties into the book too, because... So to give people a little bit of context, I come, my parents are from the Republic of Georgia, which is the former USSR, a communist regime. They were persecuted for being Jews. It's not an environment where you want to be vulnerable. You're not going to talk about feelings and emotions in communism where people right. can just come in, like, just take your stuff. That's yeah. fair. So I grew up where mental and physical toughness was always encouraged to me, especially by my dad to be number one right? Nobody gives a shit about your problems. Don't talk about your feelings, your emotions. Don't apologize. Like nobody cares. My mom tried to be emulate more of the vulnerability and emotional openness, but ultimately young boy, I grew up watching my dad. Even to this day, when I go to my dad's house, he's like, Hey, come over here. I'm like, yeah, dad, what is it? He's like, Hey, how many dips can you do? <laughs> like literally I was at his house a couple of days ago. He, uh, he takes his shirt off 
He's like, come count how many dips I can do. See if you can do more. So it's like the mandel bombs on Seinfeld. I think I think exactly. Yeah, I think I think my dad and your dad could be friends. Yeah, Yeah. or it's it's dips, it's push-ups, it's pull-ups, it's whatever. Like sometimes my kids go stay with him. Like, Dad, you should put sunblock on the kids. He's like, they don't need sunblock. (laughs) That's what they have skin for. Yeah, stop putting that on your kids. I'm like, Dad, it's a hundred degrees outside. Put sunblock on the kid. I never use sunblock. Why do they need? I'm like, all right. So anyway, um, so that's how I grew up, right? Where you should never be vulnerable. And so an interesting thing happened to me a couple of weeks after signing the contract for my book. Now, this was a few years ago. It was the middle of the pandemic. It was during the holidays. And I'm standing in my bathroom brushing my teeth. This is around seven o'clock in the morning. And my wife is in the other room getting our kids, waking them up and getting them ready for school. And all of a sudden, I start to feel really weird. My heart starts beating really fast, like 130, 140 beats per minute. Um, I'm breathing heavy. My vision gets blurry. I'm overcome with like this big fear of panic and dread. I'm sitting there thinking like, holy shit, I'm having a heart attack. So I'm screaming for my wife. I'm like, Blake, something's wrong. And you know, she has me lay down on the bed. And then my body starts like convulsing, kind of like if you've ever had the flu and you get the chills or the shakes, like that was going on to me. And I couldn't figure out what the hell is going on. I couldn't see a doctor because it was during the holidays. I couldn't get into urgent care because they were filled with COVID patients. And so I was basically stuck like this for several days where I would feel fine for a little bit. And then all of a sudden, randomly, it's like, I'm dying. I'd feel fine for a little bit. And then, oh my God, I'm dying again. Finally, I get in to go see a doctor. And the doctor, they do an EKG scan on me. They look at all these different biomarkers and they're like, yeah, you're super healthy. You're good. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm thinking I'm going to die here. I don't feel good. Yeah. yeah. And the doctor's like, you're great. But then she says, you know, you might want to go see a you know, different kind of a doctor. And she, she's pointing at her head, like signaling as she goes to see a therapist. And I'm like, okay, that's bullshit. I'm not going to go see a therapist. So I'm talking to a therapist and a couple sessions in, it became very clear what was causing these, these panic attacks for me. And it was the very fact that I had committed to writing a book about vulnerability when I myself was not vulnerable. And my body, my brain, my heart, my soul, everything was like, screw you. We'll make you vulnerable. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. And so that was a very kind of pivotal moment for me because it was my body's way of saying, wow, you're an idiot. You just committed to exploring something that you don't believe in and that you don't talk about. And so the reason why Peloton came into play here is because what emerged after having sessions with a therapist became that I needed to do a better job of focusing on my well-being. I needed to get better talking about feelings and emotions. I needed to get better doing all of these different things that I didn't do. And so Peloton meditation became a part of that. So I started doing Peloton meditation and these calming techniques. And I started really relying on Peloton, both in terms of exercise and in terms of mental well-being and mental calm to kind of help me. And it, it was actually a, a huge plus for me. So I, it became a very important resource and a tool for me on the meditation aspect on the fitness side. I love that. Yeah. Wow. What a great story. Especially because like people come on here a lot, obviously, and talk about their Peloton. But typically it's like, oh, I exercise this way or I utilize that or maybe yoga. But rarely does someone come on and say meditation or if they do, it's ancillary, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, and I do those sometimes. You know? Yeah. And my wife actually uses, so I haven't used the meditation aspect 
as much recently since all the panic attacks and stuff went away. My wife still uses it every single day, sometimes twice a day. Wow. So it's, yeah, we're going to get her on your, on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Crystal but, uses it, but that's because of me. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, oh, <laughs> I've had enough Tom today. It's time for my meditation. Yes. Yeah. So we, between the two of us, we're using Peloton three, four, five times a day, whether wow. it's the bike, the treadmill courses, the meditation, the exercise, the boot camp classes my wife loves. So it's very much ingrained into how we start our days. It's a big part of how we start our days. Wow. That's really cool. That's awesome. So do you yourself use both pieces of equipment that you use or are you just a bike guy? <laughs> no, I like to use both. So it's primarily the bike because my wife is usually stealing the treadmill, but whenever she's not on it, I try to hop on there as well. So I try to do both. Look, you didn't want any of it. So <laughs> That's true. She reminds me of that frequently. She's like, yeah. oh, you're using the uh, the treadmill, huh? Like, <laughs> Sometimes I even do the outdoor running as well. Like oh, I've done yeah. a couple of those classes too. So running outdoors and doing those classes has been awesome. So I'm a big fan. Oh, have you? Because we tried to get some of our friends to get Pelotons and they bought them and then they returned them. <gasps> like they couldn't. Yeah, I like a lot of Alex Toussaint's classes because I like the militant, my dad mentality of like, nobody gives a shit about your excuses. <laughs> like, shut up and go. <laughs> and not every, that's not for everybody, obviously. For sure. <laughs> but yeah, we, you know, we had some friends that tried to use Peloton and they're like, oh no, I just like the scenic routes, but I already did all the scenic routes. Now I can't do any. And like, I don't want people yelling at me and this and that. I'm like, all right. But whatever. most of the instructors don't yell. I don't understand that. I like, see, and I, I need like the... I don't like the calm. All right, today we're just going to get on the bike and you're just going to. And that's that's OK. I just feel like yeah. there's, there's. It's funny when you get people have this opinion of Peloton like, oh, it's just someone yelling at you while yeah, you like, run. I, and it's I've, like, but that's not I really think I've what I've only they had do, yeah. one experience. And now I don't take a lot of Alex classes. I don't take a lot of Just King classes. But like and I've only been yelled at by one instructor and it was in their class. It was live. And I, oh have, I have never gotten over it. Like, I don't like that. Instru- I'm not even going to tell the story because I don't want anybody to hate oh. on me. I don't want anybody to at me. But yeah, um, I like I love the Alex Tucson classes because they're I mean, I haven't to be fair. I haven't tried all the instructors. Yeah. I mean, I've tried Ali Love. I've tried Tune Day's classes and there's some other bikers that I've tried there as well. But I haven't I don't know. I haven't been able to connect as much with those classes as I have with kind of Alex's style. I just feel like Alex is positive. That's the interesting thing. Because I feel like when he's he's like, you woke up today, smile. Like, that's just like, how can you not smile? But it's positive (laughs) and like no no excuses at the same time. And I like that combination of positive, no bullshit. And it's very much kind of how I grew up. So I I really resonate with those types of classes. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's funny because it's like that sort of training obviously works for people because it used to get utilized almost exclusively but yeah. it's also yeah. like i to this day hate sports yeah and it's because i kept running into people like that and i wasn't good that didn't help but like <laughs> they would get visibly mad when i wasn't good and i'm like well now i don't want to get good like <laughs> that. so it's just interesting yeah. how different yeah. people react to different kinds of styles like i like yeah. i like classes that i just feel like i had fun i worked hard 
but I just had fun. Like Jen yeah, Sherman, yeah, yeah. when you do a class with Jen Sherman and you're singing the whole time and it's like, they're all your favorite songs from the 80s. How can you not smile when you're done? Yeah, like, that's just I'm, I'm also stuff. super competitive. So <laughs> Jacob's over here like, my book's not called Exercise with Vulnerability. Yeah, no, there, there have been times where I've gotten on that Peloton and you know, there's kind of a leaderboard. Oh, yeah. And there have been a few times where like I'm close to the top or somebody's very close to me. And by the time I get off the bike, I literally feel like I'm going to die. Like my heart rate's up to 180 and I'm like, I got to stop doing this because one day it's not going to end well. <laughs> so I try to kind of be more mindful because sometimes you get the adrenaline going and you're like, I'm just going to beat you, you son of a bitch. And then you're like, oh my God, I don't feel good. Where did that come but from? <laughs> I've, I've had, that's happened to me a few times. And my wife would look at me and she's like, are you okay? You, you look a little crazy there. <laughs> get out. So would you say Alex is your favorite instructor then? Yeah. Yeah. For okay. sure. I mean, I use Alex for all the bike stuff. I've used some of his stuff for the treadmill, but especially for the bike, like when it's a lot of heavy exertion and hard workouts and pushing yourself, I find that his approach to me resonates the most. Like, let's go. Nobody cares about your excuses <laughs> as opposed to something a little bit more lighthearted and positive. Like today's a great day. Like you can do it. I want the like militant reminding me of like communist russia like <laughs> shut your face and suck pedal. it up buttercup yeah exactly. you could be in a gulag <laughs> exactly that approach as weird as it sounds kind of resonates more with me not to say that alex is but he's as Thanks. close as you're gonna get probably yeah yeah, yeah i feel well, like you know, if, if steven little were still around oh, you would really like him because that's sure. that's how he was and like it's been many years his classes have been purged for a long time now but he would really crack me up because he would like sit there and sip his coffee in his little Hello Kitty mug first thing in the morning during six o'clock classes. And he would like say something like just really kind of like rude, but with a smile and get away with it because he just had this really sarcastic way of doing things. Oh, and, that's and funny. I just remember one time he was like, oh, did your class stop today? Like, did your bike not work today? And then you complained to me that you couldn't get your workout done. Pivot. Get over it. If you want that workout bad enough, you'll do it, won't you? And I was just yeah. like, yeah. <laughs> I like that approach. No complaining, no whining, just get it done. All right. All right. Fair I'm motivated to try some of the other instructors too. Okay. So I think we've got your advice for newbies. Yes. Suck it up. Yes. That's what Jacob says. For be, sure. be vulnerable at work, lead with vulnerability, but suck it up on the bike. Got it. <laughs> yeah. Do it or don't, right? I mean, it's a lifestyle. I think a lot of people forget that exercising is one aspect of fitness. It's one aspect of the lifestyle, but you have to do all of it. You have to eat healthy. You have to get enough sleep. You have to drink water. You have to pay attention to how you're living. Like you can't just go on the, the Peloton and exercise and then go eat like a box of cookies afterwards. Like it doesn't balance out like that. So, so true. I get, I get frustrated sometimes with family members or the friends who are like, I'm exercising. I'm on, I'm on the Peloton, but I'm not seeing the results. I'm like, well, maybe don't go to McDonald's afterwards. <laughs> and then, right. It's, it's about you know, balance. It's, it's a whole, yeah, it's a whole holistic approach to just living, which I think a lot of people forget. True. Absolutely. So what is your leaderboard name? Chess Jacob. Oh, okay. Because you go back to the chess thing. Ah, yeah. yeah. 
All right. Okay. So you talked about being uh, all of you down. Whoever's listening, you add me on there. I'm coming for you. I was going to (laughs) say, you're the guy that's during cool down. You keep going, don't you? Oh yeah. That's what I thought. thought (laughs) No, there's no cool down is when you get off the bike. Okay. Okay. I got it. (laughs) Cool down is for when there's a power outage. (laughs) (laughs) That's hardcore. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Well, Jacob, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join us before we let you go remind everybody where they can find you on all the social medias your new book all that stuff oh sure thank you for the opportunity so the new book called leading with vulnerability we made a fun web page for it just go to leadwithvulnerability.com my website is thefutureorganization.com and i can also give people my email in case they have questions it's jacob at thefutureorganization.com on my main website you can find links to all my social and i think you already mentioned my name on peloton chess jacob Come at me, bro. (laughs) Take you down. (laughs) Okay. I love it. Thank you. So I guess that brings this episode to a close. Until next week, where can people find you? People can find me on the Disney fantasy in the middle of the ocean. Well, not by the time this comes out. Oh, that's true. (laughs) All right. Uh, So you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash Crystal D. O'Keefe. You can find me on all the social media and the Peloton leaderboard at Clip Out Crystal. And you can find me on Twitter at Roger Kubert or on Facebook at facebook.com slash Tom O'Keefe. You can find the show online at facebook.com slash The Clip Out. While you're there, like the page, join the group. And of course, don't forget our Patreon at patreon.com slash The Clip Out. So, That's it for this one. Thanks for tuning in. And until next time, keep pedaling and running and rowing and cruising.